Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Alright, so it's back to story time, Michael Kingswood, episode 8. And we're back to Veritas Morte, science fiction novella by me, read by the great uh, Keith Nicholson. We last we left our hero Lucian. He had just had a bit of an interesting meeting with the uh, head of security and all the various generals and admirals. Um, no real leads on the killing. Or the poisoning, rather, because the emperor's not dead. He's intensive care. And, of course, people have been dragging their feet on the emperor's last military orders. And Lucian put the hammer down on that. Uh, and, of course, at the end, Mr. Emerson, the head of diplomacy, said it basically guilted him into taking another audience with Princess Ophelia. Even though he doesn't want to because, well, he thinks he, she killed her. She tried to kill his father. Uh, so, going to be an interesting meeting, I think. Let's see what happens. Veritas Morte, a science fiction novella by Michael Kingswood. Narrated by Keith Mickelson. Ophelia's dress was black this time, trimmed in gray at the seams and hem, with little swirling designs along the bottom half of her sleeves and below the knees. The jewels at her wrists, throat, and ears were all cloudy white. Her hair, naturally, was different as well, this time merely going from black to silver gray to match with her gown. As she floated, as always, the word walk did not do her justice. Into the dining room and made a small curtsy of greeting, Lucian was struck yet again by her beauty and poise. It was hard to remain angry at such a woman as she, but he found he could manage. Princess, he said in as smooth and calm a tone as he could, it is good to see you well. She smiled ever so slightly, but it faded quickly, replaced by a look of compassion that couldn't be right. Lucian, she said, and took a step toward him. I'm so sorry about what happened to your father. She reached out a hand to him, her fingertips lingering enticingly in the space between them. It would be so easy to take her hand, let his suspicion and anger toward her fade, and just be with her for a while. Instead, he pulled out a chair and half turned it toward her, the way a gentleman is supposed to. Thank you, he said. Will you sit? I have servants preparing tea, more of that Earl Grey you gave to my father, since you seem to like it so much. She hesitated for just a heartbeat, and Lucian thought he saw a sudden flash of fear in her eyes, but just as quickly as it came, it was gone. She let her hand drop and accepted the seat with a nod of thanks. But that brief flash was enough. He was sure now. Got you, you little snake. I wish I'd known you gave Emerson a crate of the stuff when you arrived. 
he said as he took the chair across the great mahogany table from her. I feel a great fool being caught by surprise in your chambers. He wrapped his knuckles against the wood of the table, and the servant's entrance opened. A slight fellow in white and purple hurried through, depositing the cup before him and then Ophelia, and filling both from a teapot that he left on the table between them when he withdrew from the room. She lowered her eyes and cleared her throat, not reaching for the cup at first. No less a fool than I. Lucian, I'm... She paused, swallowed, then drew a quick breath. I owe you an apology. I spoke out of turn, in a heated moment. She half chuckled and shook her head. I have never been able to hold back my feelings very well. My father almost did not let me come on this trip because of that. He wanted to send my younger brother. I had to nearly beg to convince him. Her eyes turned back up toward him. I'm sorry. I should not have spoken to you that way. That was almost convincing. Almost. It was rather unexpected. Lucian lifted his cup and took a sip. He savored the flavor for a moment before swallowing, keeping his eyes on her the whole time. Diplomats do not normally begin by insulting the other party's upbringing and his home. A bit of tension seemed to leave her as he swallowed. Only then did she pick up her own cup and drink from it. Of course, had he wished to poison her, the fact that their tea came from the same source mattered little. He could have simply applied the poison to the cup itself before the servant brought it out. That was a fairly common technique, actually. Had Hamberley considered that in his investigation? A thought for later. Ophelia swallowed and made a rueful little grin. Again, I apologize. You cannot help the way you grew up. Lucian blinked, surprised that she would go there again. The anger he had been concentrating on maintaining flared up on its own. Again, you speak as though I were raised ignorant of the universe. I'm not some backwater bumpkin princess. I had the finest tutors available, and traveled from one side of the empire to the other before I was twelve. But never outside of it. Her words caught him off balance. This is my first journey outside our borders, true. But that is our tradition. The Imperial children never leave the Empire before their eighteenth years. Why did she think that so odd? Ophelia shook her head slowly. That is why you cannot understand what is happening here. She leaned forward, her gaze suddenly piercing. You cannot know how the other nations truly view your Empire, Lucian. How they despise it. I think you made it abundantly clear how much you do, he replied with a plum, and took some pleasure in the way she flinched in response. She recovered quickly, though. It goes beyond whatever feelings I may or may not have, Lucian. There is not a system outside of your sphere that does not feel the same way. Even some of your client states would just as soon you were gone the way of Tumen of Centaurus. Do you ever wonder why? Lucian snorted and waved a dismissive hand. Success always spawns enemies, envious people who... You cannot really believe that. Lucian raised an eyebrow at her. Why not? He had seen such reactions many times in people. Why not expect the same from nations as from individuals? Ophelia sighed and shook her head. When over the course of many years you see friends and allies subjugated one by one, you will naturally wish to see the one who destroyed them punished. That is not envy, Lucian. Why had he earlier found it difficult to be angry with her? 
We destroy no one, princess. Systems who enter the Empire are built up, given the benefits of trade and imperial protection, improved infrastructures, law and order. Not a one of them is worse off for having come into our fold. Better off, you say? She stared hard into his eyes. I know of no fewer than three rebellions in the last decade alone. Quick to start, and just as quick to put down. You cannot claim you do not have your own malcontents. This was quickly becoming tiresome. He set his teacup down on the table and leaned forward. What do you want? Ophelia cocked her head to the side for a moment as she considered him. Before speaking, she took another sip of her tea. I want peace, Lucian. I came to implore your father to stop his aggression in Corellus and let his neighbors live without interference. She had a strange notion of aggression if she thought Quora was the one who instigated hostilities with Corellus. But just then he realized he had neither desire nor patience to debate with her. I see. He pushed his chair back and stood up. I'm sorry to disappoint you. He turned to leave. Normally he would have been the one to dismiss her, but he just wanted this encounter to end. Lucian, wait. He didn't want to, but he found that he could not deny her. The way she said that was warm, full of need. It made his knees go all wobbly. He had to draw a deep breath to keep his voice level. What? He looked back over his shoulder at her. She gazed at him with wide eyes that seemed for the first time genuine. Your father pursued a path of conquest, but you don't have to. Now that he's... He rounded on her, clenching his fists at his side to avoid lashing out with anything besides his tongue. Don't talk that way about him, princess. He's not dead. Yet. She said it calmly, but not without warmth and compassion. But how long can he last? I'm told he's in a deep coma, despite your doctor's best efforts. Lucian nodded. And if he recovers, will he be the man he was? He did not trust himself to speak at first. All the anger that he had been holding toward her faded beneath heartache, as her words brought his father's condition fully back into his mind. He had pushed it aside, beneath thoughts of the investigation, the reinforcement of Neil Novos, and his surety of her involvement in the assassination attempt. But she was correct. The doctors could not name the compound that had been used to fell his father. It was a toxin they had never encountered, but it attacked the nervous system, and it seemed to have severe degenerative effects. Even if the Emperor survived his ordeal, they were fairly sure he would lose most of his faculties. But Ophelia did not need to know that. We shall see. She smiled a sad little smile. We shall. She rose from her chair and stepped around the table to stand in front of Lucian, and once more her scent flooded into his nostrils. It was different this time, more musky, and all the more exciting for its difference. One way or the other, you will rule your empire soon, Lucian and you can be better than the men who came before you, more just to your own subjects as well as to your neighbors. He swallowed, but did not reply. He found he had no words. She leaned a little closer, spoke more softly in a near whisper. Promise me, you'll think on my words. He felt her breath on his cheek as she spoke, 
and it was like the heat of a furnace. And then she turned and swept out of the room, leaving Lucian to collapse back into the chair he had just vacated. He was completely and utterly spent, and could not figure out how he had so quickly gone from having the upper hand to being the one who had been vanquished. Well, that escalated quickly. Go from thinking you got the upper hand to, whoops, hey, look at that, she pulled the rug out from under you. I think every guy, every guy in existence knows that story. So, all right, lots for Lucian to think about. Lots for us to think about, too. Lots to look forward to in the next ep episode where we read the next scene. But, of course, if you can't wait, go buy the book. You find it everywhere. Ebook stores only, Amazon at the moment. That'll change soon. Audiobook everywhere. Print book everywhere. Come by my website, say hi, drop an email, sign up for the mailing list if you want to learn about new releases and good, cool promotions. Or just go and send me lots of bucks on Patreon. Or just come back next week. Up to you. Anyway, uh, love you a long time. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Have you figured out what that means yet? That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you like today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyright Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.